Well, welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas and Houston, even ahead of Austin. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? Good. And good morning, Brian Bowen. Brian, where are you today? I'm sitting in the Holiday neighborhood in North Boulder, and I'm just happy as a clam. It's spring in Colorado. Awesome. Hi, awesome. Brian. Hello. Well, I wanted to introduce our guest, Brian Bowen. He's actually our architect, which we're very excited about, but that's not going to be the main focus of this talk here today. We are going to get back to this idea that we talked about a couple of episodes ago about what made you jump into co-housing. And we interviewed Shelly Parks before, and we were wondering what our architect, Brian Bowen, might have to say about this topic. Now, the first time I met Brian, he probably didn't even know that I existed, but it was in Portland in 2019. And there was this guy showed up and I could see that a lot of people were signing up for his seminars. And at the happy hour the first night there, there was this whole buzz going on around this guy running around the room that everybody seemed to know. Yes, that was you, Brian. So, <laughs> and lo and behold, I don't think we had even started selecting our architect yet. So um, I didn't know that I should have actually maybe paid more attention and become part of your uh, roadie group over there. (laughs) Then I would have had a uh, chance to meet you in person because we've been locked down by COVID ever since we've engaged you, which is kind of sad, but I know we'll meet you someday. So Kelly, you were going to to give a plug for Brian, though, because even though he's not here today as one of our architects, um, we I I want to say a little bit about why we chose him as an architect, because I know a lot of people are listening because they're thinking about co-housing and a lot of people want to start co-housing. So when you start to look for an architect, you'll notice that, you know, they have really specific styles and. The reason why we looked to Brian's company, Caddis, is because their style is very modern, very innovative, and yet it retains the warmth of what a nice co-housing community feels like. So we've been really happy with how that's translated into kind of the urban Houston environment where, where we're all going to be living. So there you go. Brian, are you blushing now over the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm as warmed up as I could possibly be. That was super sweet of you guys. <laughs> well, thanks. We, we need every word of it. And hopefully, you know, when everybody's back to traveling and our and our project gets built, you know, you'll get to you'll get to see how how lovely it is and how well it fits into our, our environment. We're excited. Yeah, I, cool. I can't wait to come down there and be with you guys. Thanks, Kelly. Well, let's get let's get on task here. Monday morning, we're all about getting to down to business. So, Brian, I just want to lead out with my first question: Is do you remember the very first time you ever heard about co-housing? Was there sort of a moment in time that you went from ignorance to knowledge about this? Yeah, it's it's funny that you ask. I do have like this kind of like origin story around this, and. Um, I grew up in, just to kind of set the stage for the context of this, um, in rural New Mexico, an artist community, and really in a lot of like uh, alone time, lots of time to myself out there in the desert, which resulted in a lot of good things, but also um, wasn't very um, integrated in terms of community and not a lot of friends and stuff. Um, At college at Carnegie Mellon in the early 90s, um, 
my friends and I had been talking about like, well, what if we like, you know, got out of college and we did something that was like, we all lived together and we shared a shop space and we could make things and sell them and do uh, something different from what our, you know, bougie parents have all done. Right. And um, we were really uh, into sort of urban or rural ideas about this. And, um, and so we, and we developed this, these ideas a lot because we had time mm-hmm. and we we're designing things all the time. And I remember the moment my good friend, Sally Ann Clues, who's now a um, like arts director or something for the city of Pittsburgh, she's gone on to do great things, um, like showed up over my drafting board and stuck this book in front of me and she said, Brian, that thing that we've been talking about, it exists. It's called co-housing. And I was like, oh my God, let me see that book. And I just poured through it. And I was like, yes, holy crap, this is the thing. about." And um and that was pretty exciting. And then, you know, fast forward, I was, you know, college kid at that point, uh, moving to Salt Lake City and living there, um, downtown where I could walk to work. It was kind of a great life for me. Um, I found out about uh, a cousin community, community that was forming in Salt Lake. And so I joined that community. Um, and when I say joined, I went to a couple of meetings before I realized I was not in a financial position to do anything about it whatsoever. <laughs> so um, I, my firm got to interview for being the architects for it, but we didn't uh, get that project back then. And, um, and then fast forward again to Boulder, um, where I moved in 1999. Um, in January of 2000, Jim Leach just walked into our office and said, hey, you know, we want to hire you guys to be the architects for uh, this new co-housing pro- project that's going to be in the Holiday Neighborhood you know, just two blocks from your office. And so finally I got to really like dig in on co-housing after a bunch of like, you know, attempts, right. I almost jumped off a bunch of times, but I didn't quite jump off. I guess maybe in some ways I needed to jump off with the right kids to hold hands with, right. Mm. I hadn't found quite the right peer group yet to do it. And, uh, and so then there's a little bit more to this. Um, I, uh, got to do a bunch of the workshops, for this community. Ah, And I kept telling people as I joined or as I met with new people, hey, you know, by going through the workshop process and designing this together, it's intentional, it involves your participation. Um, That results in you guys having uh, familiarity with each other that lets you have Mm -hmm. experiences and shared background and communication skill sets that let you move into living together elegantly and seamlessly so that Mm -hmm. when conflict comes over up over our dog poop or whatever, then you, (laughs) you have bigger things to talk about than just the dog poop and and those relationships carry you forward so after saying that spiel probably a lot of times I realized it was happening to me I was like oh man I actually have great authentic relationships with these people and I love them they're totally fantastic and so I talked my wife into going ah, to a okay. community meeting and how does and that the next go, step that, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> part of the story is and then the people I brought along and yeah. then the people I brought along because I needed I, sh- I certainly needed to have her hold my hand and jump off the platform into the water with me right that was mm-hmm. going to happen <clears throat> or it wasn't going to happen at all well so let me ask you Brian were you coming home and just um, evangelizing before you made the ask so that she almost expected it or how did that that's a kind of a tricky a tricky deal sometimes between couples you know yeah, I think it, um, I, I've led a pretty intentional life in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of things that are very haphazard about my communication. And that, that's probably one of them. I don't think I had any real understanding that I was driving towards something, but I certainly was talking about it. And um, and also like, you know, taking weekends away from the family to go do workshops mm, with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I'm sure I had set the stage probably in a multiple 
different perspectives, right? Like, mm -hmm. wow, that was super hard. These people are crazy. Um, it's so hard to get a group of people like that all together on one page, but we did it. And it's kind of amazing when it happens and, you know, all of the real things around developing co-housing. So I think she was, she was primed for it. And she, when we went to that first meeting, um, I think she was very much open, open to it. Did you have kids at that time? Um, yeah, uh, no, no, we actually, um, were planning to have kids and, you know, part of it was, you know, back in the nineties and early thousands, a lot of co-housing communities were founded by young families with kids. That was sort of a predominant pattern back then is, okay. you know, people would start to have kids and they'd say, wow, I don't want to do this in the same way as it's been done before. So I want to do it better. Um, and I think now we're seeing, you know, more, more people who are seniors saying like, wow, I, I don't want to do this in the way other people have done it. I want to do it in a way that's better. So we're going to start this and then open the door to families. Um, not hundred percent either way, but it's been nice. a shift. Nice. Okay, so Brian, what happened at this first meeting? Was it love at first sight? Was your <laughs> wife like, oh, I get it, I'm in? <laughs> it was interesting. So we uh, we came into the meeting pretty much on the down low. We didn't, you know, there was not a lot of like, you know, um, fanfare to that. And uh, just explore and check things out. And um, the it turns out the meeting was literally the most infamous meeting in wild sages entire history it's the, the <laughs> it's the tv meeting and oh. we had <laughs> exactly <laughs> we had some folks who were uh wonderful waldorf well, zealots wait hold on you yeah. need to set this stage for what what does that mean in the context of community a tv meeting i can I only know. imagine right, so totally. i would love to hear it yeah yeah so on the on the so they were going they were working their way through some of the common house programming mm -hmm. um and they were trying to figure out what they wanted to tell the architectural team about that and one of the questions i guess we had posed to them at some point was like is there a tv in the common house do we need to plan for that or or not mm -hmm. and so um that raised a whole lot of different things that we didn't know were lying under the surface around because we just thought we were asking a pretty simple question and it turned out in the co-housing world that's that can be or in any i think more progressive world like you've, you've asking some pretty big questions about what the world should be like and um and i'm i'm very actually very respectful of all the different perspectives on this but i also you have to acknowledge that some of them don't fit together you know you mm -hmm. can't really yeah. do this and that very easily so um, that's where this story goes is we, you know, we had a couple who were really nice and who were very involved with the community who were absolute Waldorf zealots. And um, they, they felt like, and it's, this came out in that meeting that the way like, okay, other people in their own homes could have a TV if you wanted to. But since we have this idea that everyone's going to have their kids flowing from room to room to room and in and out of each other's houses and the sort of idyllic, uh, happy kid land, um, they didn't want their kids to see that other people had TVs. So they asked wow. everyone to cover them up with a blanket if, if you, oh, wow. if their kids were coming. Right. And everyone else was like, I, you know, I'm not really sure I can commit to being, to doing that for you, you know, at varying levels of that response. <coughs> and, um, and then when it came to the common house, people who do watch TV, you know, uh, regularly felt like criticized by the mm. suggestion that you can't have a TV in there. Mm -hmm. And then people who thought, well, I think TV is a useful tool. I want to be able to watch Nova with the kids and I want to be able to watch the election. And can't we watch the Super Bowl? And like, or I love the Broncos. Um, 
Sorry, if substitute in the proper regional yeah. football. There's so, definitely so not the Broncos. You love the Broncos. So Brian, I could yeah. tell that we actually need another podcast episode on um, TVs and <laughs> you know technology and yeah. Waldorf yeah. and so get to tell me the bottom line here. Bottom line. Yeah. So that's the stage. Sorry, I, I tell long stories. I know, um, I know. We know you. Thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> for pointing me in the right direction towards completion. Um, the uh, what ended up happening is those differences of opinion didn't come out all that beautifully and elegantly. It was not the example <laughs> meeting where we're like, oh, differences of opinions were uh, discovered and we worked together to listen to each other and resolve. No, it didn't. It wasn't that great. And um, it wasn't like a big, ugly fight, but it, it didn't resolve very well. Um, and we walked out of that meeting and I think we were like two footsteps out of the door when Dale said, what the hell are you thinking? These people are crazy. There's no way I want to do anything with any of these people ever again. This was horrible. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That was bad. I don't want to do this either. That was, that was awful. So it, a few months went by before I was able to coax her into the next meeting. Cause I still okay. believed in the people I, I cause I'd been in a hundred meetings yeah. and that was the one she had. So when we came back uh, the sweet moment in that, was um, Annie Russell, who is now a dear friend of mine, um, kind of retired out of the community, uh, out of the community design world. Um, she was um, she was facilitating. She's at the head of the room, and I walk in probably a minute or two late. She's still writing the agenda up as everybody's trying to get settled, and she looks at me and she goes, "Oh no, Brian, I didn't know that you were supposed to be here. I don't have you have you on the agenda." And that got everybody's attention in the room, and because um, that was sort of like. They're like, what's going on here? Is there disruption? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, and I was like, well, no, Dale and I just joined today. We like just bought a unit. And so we're here <laughs> as members for the first time. And everybody's like, yeah, like the whole room, like standing ovation. I was like, oh, my God, what an amazing welcome. That's so cool. Now, wait a minute, so, Brian. You just leapt from the worst meeting ever to we're never doing this. So you're showing back up becoming uh -huh. a member. What yeah. happened? There must have been a jump moment in the middle there. You got to tell us. <laughs> I think for me, it was like, I mean, I was the kid maybe who was like, OK, I'll go up to my ankles. Okay, I'll go up to my shins. Okay, I'll mm -hmm. go up to my knees. Okay, you know, maybe maybe I was being that kid in that moment, because for me, my experience of entering Wild Sage was very gradual over three or four years. Uh. You know, and and because I got familiar with the people, I got to know them. I was meeting with them on unit design task forces, and you know, um, integrating with a design team and all that sort of stuff. And so my own personal comfort level grew that way. Mm -hmm. And my wife is, uh, can be a lot more spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like when I was like, no, let's do this. This is going to be great. She was like, all right, cool. Okay. I'm in. So her, okay. her jumping off point was basically relying on me. And also I think in some ways thinking like, well, if it stinks, we'll sell it and do something different. <laughs> right. you know? I'm glad you said that. Cause actually that's what I, that's what I tell people, you know, it's yeah. like, Hey, yeah. Life changes. Like you just try something new. Why not? You know, you yes. can always change it again. Yeah, totally. And don't you want to be the kind of person who tries something new? You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Brian, totally. How long has it been since you made that jump? So what was the day or the year when you and Dale went back and you said, we're here as members? It would have been 2003, somewhere in there. I was basically through the design process. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to join as a member and be the architect. It's, yeah. it's a fraught it's a difficult thing yeah. to balance. So, yeah. 
um, I waited until I was really through all the design stuff and maybe even into construction. I'm not sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's when we pulled the trigger. So that's so been almost been, 20 years. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah, our, so how old are your kids now? They're 16 and 14. And uh, the older one was the second kid born in Wild Sage. He got beat okay. by another kid by a couple months. <laughs> so do you think if your kids... Uh, had a choice in this would they would they jump in with you or they're like oh we can't wait to get to college this is too weird some of both I think <laughs> you know the you know when you travel and you go on vacation and you think oh man this is a cool place what if we lived here mm-hmm. we could we could live over there so when you're fantasizing like that the kids version of that fantasy always included all of the neighbors Right. So when they were five years old or eight years old or 10 years old, they're like, yeah. And these guys live over there and those guys live over there and those guys live over there. And what about these guys? Would they even come with us? I don't know. Maybe not. And, you know, like they, so they brought the whole family with us. It's essentially, it really broadens. I think my, for me, I'll speak personally, like it's broadened my sense of uh, what's included in the word you, you know, what is included in the word me. Like I actually, my self-definition has really broadened to be, I mean, the biggest picture, everybody, but also like my community for sure is a broad definition of me. And um, so I have this like level of intimacy and connection with all these people. And I I say that in a way that's like, um, I I don't want people when they hear that to think like, oh God, I don't want to deal with that. Mm. That sounds like a pain. It's actually very person appropriate. It's just like grade school when you find your best two mm-hmm. friends you're, you're best friends with those two and you don't really worry about the other 14 you know and then and as long as they're not bothering you that's great but you have a level of familiarity that transcends grade school where you you know like oh you know what if that person even if it's not somebody you're super close to if right. they have a need you're like oh yeah I could totally take out her trash for two months while she's sure. like hold up because of COVID that no doubt that's easy yeah. um so I think that's a that's a beautiful I think uh perspective about that nice kelly is there anything else that was on your mind to ask you know i wanted brian to clarify something because he mentioned jim leach and that name comes up a lot so people who are considering um co-housing will probably hear his name at some point so brian would you back up for a second just tell us who jim leach is absolutely so jim was a uh, home builder developer architect um architectural engineer um, and he's done tons and tons of work in his career, and he discovered co-housing around the time that Katie and Chuck's book entered the U.S., and so he uh, helped develop Nyland. He was brought in basically to sort of help save the project in a way and get it organized and make it happen, um, and uh, totally jumped in with both feet into the movement and has been the biggest co-housing developer in the country um, and a real mentor to a lot of people, um, and his company was called Wonderland Hill Development Company, and uh, they were the developers behind Wild Sage and Silver Sage, and I worked on both of those projects. Um, collaborated with Chuck Durrett on the design for Silver Sage, and um, also worked with him on Lions Valley Village and a bunch of other projects that didn't get built. But Jim is mostly retired now and has become just a great friend and mentor in my life. He lives at Silver Sage right across the street from Wild Sage, and so I see him all the time. He stops by the office and we chit chat about things, and um, he is always available for me to lean on for uh, advice or. Uh, spreadsheets, um, <laughs> a dose nice. of skepticism or a dose of hope. He's great. Yeah, that's nice. nice. When you think nice. about like who you were standing on the platform with, like you had 
Jim Leach and Chuck Dredd and you had a lot nice. of people to, to jump in the water with. I really like that. These wise, <laughs> wise founders. Yes. Yeah. Well, guys, I yeah, think this kind of... Yep, Brian, go ahead. You were going to say something? I was going to say, let me give a little bit of a, a plug here um, mm-hmm. in terms of jumping off. I think to to catalyze these new communities, right, it takes people. It takes people like you two putting tons of work into it and tons of heart and not tons of authenticity. You got to be yourself because that's what people are drawn to is you personally and like, you guys are great. So let's be together. Um, architects also help a lot. So Grace Kim and I from Schemata Workshop um, are putting together a um, architects training program, and actually, I don't think we've announced it anywhere except for today on this podcast. Wow, breaking news on this podcast! Breaking Break, news! Breaking yeah. news! Ryan, because we're trying to figure out how do we get other architects to take take that jumping mm. off point. How do you get them to that point before they? Because the, the roadside is littered with architects who've done one co-housing project, and they're like, "That's that's harder. I'm not going to do that again." <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. But I feel like Grace and I both have been able to figure out a good business model and make it really work. So we want to tell everybody else how to do it, and then they can all go off and, and do it too and, and catalyze their own projects, projects in their own place. So our website's great got that way, information. Great way to wrap it up for today. Thank yeah. you so much, Brian. Well, just in closing, I just want to thank you again for taking time out of your you know busy work day and getting up early in Colorado to meet our time zone needs. And thanks for sharing your story, Brian. Look forward to seeing you in future meetings with us. And to our audience at large, thanks for stopping by again. So glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. Have a good week. Bye.